everyone, I'm Isaac Wood. And I'm Amanda Wood. And we are married. <laughs> and this is Rings to Tags. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first episode of Rings to Tags, a podcast that we are doing. <laughs> Very clever. We are Isaac and Amanda Wood. We've been married for 12 years. We live in the bold north of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Don't you know? With Ufta. Two boys, two guinea pigs, and a Great Dane. And that's our lives and our family. That is our lives. It is our family. And our goal here is to share that with you. Our lives, our family. Please come take them. (laughs) We have two guinea pigs that you can definitely have. The guinea pigs would be the first to be given away. They're really sweet, but like, it's a lot of poop. And it's great to mention poop as early in your first As early as possible as in podcast can. life. Uh, the boys would be very proud of us. They would be, yeah. So probably the dog would be the next that we would give away. I think we should stop talking about pigs. giving away our dogs or people will throw fiery pitchforks in our direction. That's true. That's not popular. But our dog is popular. She's very popular. She is wonderful. She's cute and she's sweet and she's a Great Dane. And so she draws a lot of attention and she doesn't want any of it. She does not want attention. So don't talk to her if you see her. (laughs) She won't let you do it. No. So two guinea pigs, one dog. We also have two kids. Yes. Samuel is nine currently. He is. And Sullivan is still six, soon to be seven. Yes, he'll be seven in October. Two boys. You will find out a lot about them, probably. More than you need to know. If we make it through one episode of this. (laughs) Um, But why are we here, Amanda? To talk about marriage, Isaac. We're going to talk about marriage. marriage. We are married, so we will talk about that. We'll talk about and we marriage. have kids and family, and we will talk about that. And some. because we have both of those things, we have a home, and we will talk about that. We will talk about our home. Yes, we will talk about our family, um, and really, kind of the goal of this is to share our life in a hope that uh, it'll be helpful. To anyone and all that listen, um, I guess one thing we haven't mentioned yet is we also have a God. That's a very important part of this, I think. Thank you. (laughs) And because we have a God, I think a large motivation for this podcast is as we look around the world today and we see how our culture and the message that it gives how, how marriages and families are turning out after they listen to the advice that our culture gives. Um, it's not great. And we think we have some insight to a better way because of that God and because of his word and the Bible. And um, there's an awful lot in there that can help us live better lives and better families and better marriages than what's offered out there in the world. And we both like to talk. A lot. We both like to talk a lot. Too much. And really that's kind of where this started and that we would catch ourselves having conversations late into the night oftentimes. I feel like we would never start a conversation until at least 10 o'clock at night. Most um, best conversations I find happen after 11 p.m. Yes. When one of us has probably almost been asleep. If not been asleep. If not already been asleep <laughs> and being woken up. Um, so we, these conversations happen often in our lives. And, you know, we, we are married. We have been married for 12 years. 12 years, yeah, in September. 
We're yeah. closing in on 12 years. I always round up. This podcast episode will be ageless. So we'll just say 12 years. 12 years. Um, so we've been married. We've had kids. And those have been the topics of a lot of our conversations. Um, but really what we want to spend our time talking about is how God influences our home. And our everyday lives. And our everyday lives that make up our home with two guinea pigs, a large dog, but a small Great Dane, and two wonderful boys. Yes. And you and me. That's right. We're here, too. We are here. It's a good thing. Yep. So that's kind of our goal. Um, So hopefully as you listen to this, you'll enjoy getting to know us. Probably if you're listening to this episode, you probably you already, already know us. You already know us. To some degrees. Unless you... it's 15 years from now and someone's just gone back to the beginning to True. listen to us yammer. So hi. This will be ageless. Hi, future. Hopefully. Future, <laughs> future are you, future me. Mm-hmm. Future all of them listening. Um, so that's kind of the goal of this you'll learn about us we'll share we'll learn to share we have ideas thoughts methods on living with a spouse living with kids probably have tips on animals yeah lots of lots of pets so many fish we forgot about the fish oh so if you guys like aquariums you can message me about that and one shark we do we have a shark now he's new maybe this is a zoo podcast (laughs) this might be how to own a zoom yeah well we homeschool we should probably mention that about our lives that's kind of an important part of how we do family and home and so the pets have a lot to do with the fact that we homeschool and i feel like you're just lucky we don't have a goat is it a zoo or a farm i think it's a a hobby farm i call it a hobby farm okay yeah. You're the one running it. So I do. Okay. I do clean the things. So you'll hear us talk a lot about a lot. Um, <laughs> some of them will be good ideas. Some of them will be bad ideas. We'll probably change ideas throughout this. Back up on ourselves. And at the end of the day, what our goal is, is always to be very rooted in the scriptures. So... We are students of the word. We are in the word. We live our lives in the word. Um, So our goal is always to derive our thoughts from the word of God. But sometimes it's just going to be opinion and you're free to throw that right on out if you don't care for it. But if it's coming from the word of God, I hope that you would at least give give it a thought. Yeah, so hopefully it's helpful. Um we'll have ideas we'll have stories um ultimately we just want to share what we feel like god is blessed with us um speaking of scripture there's a verse in ephesians where paul is telling the ephesians why preachers and evangelists and teachers exist and he said that they exist to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statute of the fullness of Christ. And so that's really what we want to to affect. Um, That hopefully through this, you, Amanda, and I, will grow um, that we will become more like Christ um, but ultimately Absolutely. we hope that those that listen to this gain measures of unity um, primarily what we're going to be talking about is unity inside their home right um, that marriages can can grow the relationships between parents and children's can grow that relationships among different family units will grow uh, but not just grow closer to each other, that they grow closer to Christ um, and gain knowledge of his word and, and how it can be used every single day. 
Absolutely. And very specifically, not just that they can grow, but that it's not such a mystery on how to achieve this outcome. There is a lot in scripture. There's a lot in the word of God. We're not, we're not just wandering in the dark here. We have a lot of um, instructions given to us and guidance given to us that can help us as married people and parents and all of that stuff as we move through life. Um, so I think one of the big verses that we will focus on in general is from Matthew 19. Um, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And that's Matthew 19, five through six. That's Jesus himself. Um, For the first part of it, he's quoting from Genesis 2, um, 23 and 24 from the story of the first married couple, Adam and Eve, um, and quoting it not only as history, but as a very core tenant of what it means to be married and to be joined together and um, that giving up of yourself as an individual and joining it to another person. And that's, that's the design. That's the idea. That's, that's what we're aiming for because that's you know, the blueprint for all of this. So like you said, that's what we're aiming for. Um, and so I think what we want to accomplish here is to share that with people. Yep. We want to share that with you, whoever you are, um, wherever you are in your married life, as a, as a family, as parents, come join us. You know, we're trying to live our life by the principles that God has given us. Um, and really, at the end of the day, Marriage is death. (laughs) Marriage is death. It's sacrifice. It's dying to who you once were. That whole movement from two separate flesh, two separate people, two separate fleshes. Two flesh eye. Two fleesh. To become one, I think, is what we're getting at here. And in order for two to become one, a fairly drastic shift has to take place. Something old has to pass away and something new has to take its place. And that's, you know, that's death. That's death and renewal. Um, And throughout the whole Bible, especially in the Old Testament system and the death of Christ, we see that when you're sacrificing, that requires death in order for sacrifice to be complete, giving the giving of yourself, the giving of something completely, um, putting yourself on the altar, which is what we do when we're getting married, right? We stand together on that altar, um, placing ourselves on the altar to become one flesh. And that's just a picture of this sacrificial death, this death that we're dying in order to give ourselves um, for someone else. And it's big and it's extreme. And like we joke a little bit, but that it, I mean, doable. it's serious. It's, but it's true too. It's not just sort of like death. Like it is, it's, it's dying yeah. to yourself. And it's a picture of the gospel. So if there's one thing you take away from this, marriage, marriage will kill you. Death. Marriage <laughs> should kill you. Should kill you. Marriage ought, should kill you. It ought to do, to do right away with you. So if that doesn't draw you in. Who doesn't want to, to talk about subscribe that? subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> then this probably isn't the place for you. No, there's going to be a lot of that. Um, so that that's kind of an intro. Who we are, what we're looking to accomplish. That's right. We look forward to it. We'll have fun, I think. I think we will at very least have fun. I hope you do too. I mean, we will. <laughs> we will have fun. <laughs> um, hopefully you find value in this. Yes. All right, so if you're still listening, then you probably have one question on your mind. What's that? What does rings to tags mean? Rings to tags. That's a very creative title, Isaac. I'm sure Amanda came up with it. Nope. So what, Amanda, does rings to tags mean? So... I'd say we basically got it from our, from a song from, from one of our favorite groups, Johnny Swim. 
has a song called Devastating. And they say in that, they say, ring on, what is it? Ring on my finger. Ring on my finger. Tag, tag on, my, on toe. my toe. That means we made it. That and that really just it. resonated with us. Like, we were together. We're in a, to be fancy and biblical, we're in a covenant here. There's no end to that. That's permanent. That's for good, right? So success is ring on my finger till I have a tag on my toe. That's So to be clear there, you um, get the ring on your finger when you get married. You get the tag on your toe when you die. When you gone. And so when you get married for life. And so if you have a ring on your finger and a tag on your toe. That's the That means success, you successfully you did it. died. You died. Still being married. Yes. While still married. Is a feat. And I think one part of the song that really rang for us was just, it's not just that you're married, right? Um, the song says, like, I want to love you until it's devastating. And meaning that that loss then at the end is huge. And it's horrible because you did this thing right. It was worth something. And it wasn't, it's not an escape to finally be done with it. It's, it's this culmination of a life well lived and marriage that is God honoring and therefore abundant and fulfilling and tragic to end tragic to be done with. And, um, that's romance. That's in the song too. That is. It's romantic. That's romantic. So it's an odd take on romance. It is. But it's more real than It's a, a real Disney take movie. on romance. Yes. It's a real take on romance. That's real life. And that's what we want to be is real. Um, real life that we have rings on our finger. Well, the we have Ironically, in the house. neither of us are wearing our rings at the moment. <laughs> um, we have rings in the house. Edit that out of your brain. There are rings in the house that we got when we got married. We own them. And our goal is to get to where we have tags on the toe. This is not an endorsement of, like, spouse killing. We don't, you don't, your goal is not to put the ring or put the tag on the other person's toe. Right. Natural causes. Yes. That means we made it. Because it's devastating because now you're you sad and alone, not because you're in state penitentiary. Yes. Ideally. Yes. Yeah. You got to clarify these things. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't know. You got to clarify. So that's what rings to tags means is that our our goal for the two of us, the goal for us. It's not is... just the goal. It's the only option. Correct. Correct. We are going towards rings and tags. Rings on our fingers, tags on our toes. When we pass away, whoever goes first, whoever goes second. Ring on our finger, tag on our toes. That means we made it. Right. Because the goal is, the guarantee is that we get there. The goal and the journey is making sure it's devastating. This is dark. It is. Man, let's go on to something happier. Marriage is death. Ooh, it's death. You're going to die. Everyone's going to die. All right, so we're in episode one. Whew. We've already depressed people. Sorry about that. We got a lot of people that are like, yes, my marriage is death. This is <laughs> this right is down my worst. alley. Where's my wife? Where's my <laughs> husband? Come listen to this. These two crazy people, they got guinea pigs, dogs, and they think that our marriage is death. Yep. Let's see what they have to say. Um, so Maybe we brighten it up now. Uh, it may be too late for that. Talk about God again. He's nice. He is nice. There's a lot of good stuff about that guy. Yeah. So we thought this first episode would be just good for you to kind of get an idea. Of get to know are. us. Yep. Um, get to know us, kind of our stories. Um, first and foremost, how we met God um, and how he played a role part. in both of our lives. Yeah. 
similar stories, but there'll be some differences there. Um, but then ultimately kind of lets you know the story of us. This is us. You probably can't say that. Oh, uh, should probably edit that out. That's probably yeah. copyrighted. Yeah. Probably. Oh, well. Um, They're not this shall be us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they probably not listen to us yet. Um, so why don't we start by walking through sort of our individual faith stories and how that brought us together? Yes. Where did you start, Isaac Wood? Well, it was a blustery fall day in Lexington, Kentucky. It probably wasn't. Yeah, it was probably hot. It was probably real hot. September. We'll have my parents on at some point. We'll ask, ask them about the weather. What I know was that's the weather. That's probably what you guys really, you're going to be just burning with curiosity on that one. Yep. So I was born in Lexington, Kentucky, but ultimately kind of grew up in central Ohio. We both Columbus, did. Ohio. Well, that's important that we both grew up there. That's right. an important part of our story. I just thought, I don't need to say it again later. I'll just chime in now. I think that's going to happen a lot, probably. Yeah, that's okay. Chiming in. It's more interesting that way. It is. And it's a realistic depiction of our lives. We seldom in this house wait for someone else finish to finish sentences. talking before we begin our own <laughs> sentence or our thought no. or monologue. Yeah. Um, we'll try to clean that up a little bit for you guys. Just So my story from a faith perspective, I grew up in church. Um, the common tale in the 80s and 90s in the Midwest. Absolutely. Uh, well, up we were this... at the top of the Bible Belt where we grew up, so yep. it was very common. Columbus, Ohio, grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and we were the family that went to church whenever the doors were unlocked. Which was like Often. seven times a week, basically. Well, Always. And, and stuff in my between. Dad, my dad was the associate pastor of our church, so he had the key to the door. You could get in any old time. You just open it whenever. And that meant we had to be there. Um, so Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, church camp, church choir. Youth so group. I'll jump in with my beginning because it's also quick and it converges very quickly with yours. Yep. Which is also, I was born in you a were born. Christian. I was born. Um, Probably warmer. On a very hot day in yep. June. Um and also grew up in a Christian home and um, ended up in Columbus as well. Was born in Dayton, Ohio, and then ended up in Columbus. And we, our families, both moved to Columbus at about the same time. We it's were like it's like longer. 1988-ish. Yeah, we would have been about that time. Yep. 88-89 area and started going to the same church within a couple of months of one another after relocating. Yep. And yep. so when Isaac's family was at church, so was mine. My dad was not on staff, but we were there for everything as well. Correct. And we Same youth group. Often same euchre parties. Yes. Our parents would be playing euchre and we'd be watching Disney movies. Most of the time, it was actually old musicals. Okay. Sing in the Rain, Oklahoma, I remember. Maybe not Oklahoma. Definitely Singing in the Rain. So, back to my story. <laughs> Grew up in the church. Um, I think, again, we'll have my parents on, and my dad has memorized the day that I went forward in the church and accepted. Yeah. Christ is my Lord and Savior. November something? As a seven-year-old, something like that. Um, grew up in church. And then there was a pivotal point. I remember junior year of high school, we were studying other religions. We were studying the Mormon religion. We were reading all about Joseph Smith and all this stuff with Mormonism. And, and I remember this thought. It's like, man, they believe a lot of weird stuff. And then the very next thought that entered my brain was, you know, so do we. And it wasn't this groundbreaking, leave the church, burn everything, curse God. 
but it was this subtle shift of taking everything that I had learned and knew to be Christianity and just kind of placed it on the shelf. Like we believe crazy stuff. I don't have the energy right now to figure out if I think it's real. Not that I don't think it's real, but it's on the shelf. And so as I finished out high school, went off to college, I was living life for myself. So mine was kind of similar at six years old in, I specifically remember it was like a Sunday night service, but I couldn't tell you at all what time of year it was. I just remember feeling that pull that I wanted to go forward um, in the call to response time and accept Jesus into my heart, as we would have said. And um, I actually, one of the biggest things that stuck out for me, and I think defined a lot of my early years of, as a Christian, was that I was under the impression that I had to say that I wanted to follow Christ, and then they were going to, like, do it, <laughs> execute on it, like, in that back yeah. room, like, they just kind of prayed. They just kind of like had me sign, like fill out some paperwork, and they took some you notes and talked to my like parents. Like, yeah, heart. I was like, I guess I was looking for like a Yellowstone style branding situation that meant I was yeah. like in the in the group, right? I didn't like that was the part that there was some sort of mystique to, and I thought maybe there was a thing that you now do, like I had to say yes, and then you you do it. You like make me a part of the team. Like, where do I get where do I get my shirt or like what's the situation? They didn't give you your flair? They didn't give me my flair. And so I was actually, I remember as a younger child, like kind of unsure if I was like in because Mm -hmm. they forgot to do the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever the thing was, um, they didn't do it, guys. So I was a little, I felt like maybe I was like on shaky ground. Like, man, what if somebody finds out that they didn't do the thing? Now, as I got a little older, I realized that there was like nothing really you know, there, there, there was nothing, wrong. nothing was like slipping through the cracks there. I, I was good on that end of it. But, but I think it is, it's tough as a kid to really always fully identify. Like you get what you can get and you can't always, I don't know, you just don't have the capacity to study these scriptures and realize that yeah, it seems like we believe weird things, but if you know the scriptures, um, the mystery isn't quite what it seems um, from a little bit more of a distance. But as a kid, I didn't know that. At the end of the day, we we believe real things. Like that's... Well, right. They they may seem weird, um, but the reality is... And the book, the scriptures are consistent, right? They can like make an argument for themselves and they hold and you can press them very hard and they're going to hold up for what they're talking about, for what they're saying and the claims that they are making. so I didn't have ever have a minute where I was like, I don't know if this is true. I always thought it was, but I do remember in high school just getting to the point where it was like, this is exhausting. Like well, everybody was... else is doing whatever they want and they're not thinking about it. And it, I have to be so good. And if I do the littlest thing wrong, I have guilt. I don't like that. Right. Right. And that's not fun. And everyone else seems fine. And I, I mean, I think that that's a fairly common thing that sometimes you look around. It's so I'm, I cannot be the only one who's ever felt as a Christian and trying to live the Christian life that you look around and sometimes you think, you think, you perceive in that moment because it's absolutely not true. But it seems as if the non-Christians have it easier. Yep. And in some ways they do, I guess. Like in some ways that is absolutely true, yeah. um, but not in a good way. It's, it's not really good right. in the end. But that's definitely how I felt. And so I think going into college and being so busy with college and working and getting my first job out of college and all of that was a welcomed, I would say, excuse to not regularly attend. But at no point was I ever in a, in a zone where it was like, oh, I, I'm out or I'm right. even doubting it. Yeah. And same with me. There was never a this isn't true. I just, I, the thing I struggle most with was like, how do you execute on it? Like, what is, right. what is this for real life? It's gotta be more than just doing the right thing all the time. 
Because that's kind of what it felt like. It did. It felt like just a list of like a list that you had to like check off to make sure. Every day. Yes. To make sure that you were in the club. And not just that you were right. You know, like, like you were in the club and that was the problem. <laughs> like you were yeah, in the club. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. And so you knew better. And yes. Because you knew better. You, you carried the guilt better. for every Because decision. you knew better, you had to be better. Mm-hmm. And that's what and it was that's focused true. on was the being better. Right. You have to, because you know better, you, you do. You do have to be better. You do have, you're held to a higher standard. Um, but the problem is where where does that come from is that a checklist that you have to like make your marks on every single day or is that a natural outpouring of your relationship and the love that you have for christ because only the second one is gonna go well and so we both went through college very similarly separate colleges so we'll kind of get to the story of us. Yeah, I think it kind of rounds into. We'll we'll wrap up the individual portion of it, um, but we both went to college. I mean, for those of you that are familiar with college. God and the Bible, go to college. <laughs> we we lived the prodigal life, you know, like where we went away from home and just lived for ourselves, and it was kind of we had this freedom. Yeah. On our own and you can make your own decisions. And it's like Jerry Seinfeld says, like the best thing about being a doll is I can eat a cookie whenever I want. Yes. And, and so that that's... very common feeling among Christians is that if no one else here can see you, then maybe your sin doesn't matter. Yeah. Um when in reality God can always see you. Right. And so, so that's, and he's the only one who actually matters, but so when what, you're not discipled and when all the way, and you don't, you don't have it completely for yourself and you don't get it completely for yourself. It just seems like the people around you who've always known you, what they see is what matters. And you forget that that's not, that's not really who you're trying to impress. Right. But, we didn't, know but we didn't know that. So graduated college went. I went to Cleveland, Ohio, lived for a couple of years working jobs this is not good at any of them um and just wasn't having success in any definition of the word um and my parents were just so loving through all this knowing that i was far from where i needed to be um and it was their like continuous love of me and support of me that probably to this point, I, just, I wasn't a success. I didn't have money. I didn't have anything. And I remember my parents coming up. And my mom's always been so great at forcing truth on me. <laughs> my mom and I butted our heads a lot as I was a teenager because she would tell me how it was. And, and she's like that. And she's right. She's right often. Yeah. Yeah. Your mother is a wise woman. Um, it was like a hundred percent while I was in high school. She was right. <laughs> like she was batting a thousand. Um, and you were anyway, injecting. They were up visiting me in Cleveland one time and I was moaning about life. And you just know that they were sitting there like, well, idiot. Like you're not doing anything that you're supposed to be doing. So why would you expect anything to be going right? But they didn't say that. They would never, which is My their mom graciously. Charm. My mom graciously pointed me to the book of Job in the Bible. She said, read Job. Like, you're sitting here whining about your life. Read Job. And so I did. Read the book of Job. If you haven't read that, go read it. I'm going to skip to the end for you. Spoiler alert. At the end of it, Job, he goes through so much and handles it well, I think. Mostly, yeah. And he gets to this point and he finally questions God. And God spends multiple chapters of Job saying, listen. Who are you? Who are you? But more importantly, who am, who am I? I? This is who I am. I'm the God of the freaking universe. I made everything. I control everything. I put the stars in the sky. These dinosaurs I created on land, in the water. Can you do that, Joe? And like, I love God's attitude. Yeah. He's so sarcastic. Oh. He's so sarcastic in these passages. Can you do that? Joe, can you do that? No, oh, because oh, well, I'm God and weird. you're not. 
But then at the end of it, so God lays out who God is. And Job, to his credit, gets it. And in Job chapter 42, he says to God, like, listen, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. And that verse jumped out of the Bible at me and just hit me and said, listen, you grew up in church. You know all about God. You've heard all about him. You can pass Bible drills. You can pass Old Testament, New Testament. You know the verses. You've got all the knowledge. You've heard about God. But what you're lacking, Isaac, is an experience with him, a real life experience with God. And it it hit me. I was like, that's what I need. I'm at the bottom of my pit. I've heard about this as God, but I've never engaged it. Sorry, I just slapped my hands together. And it was really loud in my ear. So loud. Um, and so I moved back home into my parents' basement and just poured myself into reading the Bible and discovering God and learning more about him. Um, but that was the pivotal moment when I realized that growing up in church, I'd heard about God and who he was. But now I could experience him and I could know him. Yeah. So that's my story. In a very small nutshell. Yeah, you guys, you have no idea how abbreviated that was for him. <laughs> he could have really gone on a lot longer get than that. Different you'll pieces see. of that as we go on. You'll see. So obviously, like, mine was sort of similar. Um, I didn't have as like quite as dramatic of a turnaround as Isaac did, but um, well, I mean, it was kind of dramatic, but my situation was a little bit different. And it was, I just, I was working this job out of college with, I don't know. I probably can't, I shouldn't say brand names. I don't know. I was working in a retail company that is known for not even dressing its models in its own clothes and its advertisement. I think we all know what we're talking about, right? Okay, so... In the 90s. In the 90s and early 2000s. Um, So I, you know, I was kind of just living that life. There were a lot of fun parties. There were lots of things to always hanging out with people and this and that. And I kind of just had a lot of things happen in my life where I was like, man, this is not, this isn't it. Like, this is not what I'm, this is not who I am. This is not what I want to be. And I was reading in my Bible and came across um, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and uh, and 34, I think. Yes. And it says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits or in some translations, it's good character. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. And that just like hit me so hard. I mean, it just like whapped me across the face. Like you're hanging out with these people. This is not your, these are not your people. Like you are mine. This is not where you belong. Um, You know better and shame on you. And it just, every part of it was just. Shame on you. Shame on you. And it seriously, it was just such a, it was just the Holy Spirit speaking within me that just woke me up and I knew things had to change. And um, this is, I guess, what leads straight into our, our story, which is I remembered that two years prior, maybe not even quite, I had been reached out to by a kid we grew up with in, in church where a group of people we knew from youth group were starting a new Bible study called Life Song. I think you shot him out. Michael Anderek, I hope you're listening. We're going to send this to you. <laughs> and Jeff and Tracy Powell, you too. We were at their house. Jeff and Tracy Powell were our Sunday school teachers a couple of times throughout life. I had them in fifth grade and ninth grade. Most notably in ninth grade, which we're going to have to get Jeff and Tracy Powell on this podcast too sometime. Double and there. then I will, at that point, you guys, and you can get really excited for this because I will – 
recite the Ten Commandments for you using Jeff Powell's oh. notorious method. See, we learned that in fifth grade. Oh, see, I, I didn't have him till ninth for that. So oh. I think I learned that in the ninth grade. But I remember it. Yep. It was, it was perfect. So. So if you don't know the Ten Commandments. I'll teach you. Just wait. You'll know. You'll know. I'll put Probably pictures up. 14. I'll put pictures up on Instagram. Because it comes with pictures. That's how you remember it. Yes. But I, but I digress. So Michael Andrek inv- had invited me to this uh, Bible study. And at the time, I was getting, I was moving into a new condo and like all this stuff was going on. And I, oh, honestly, I just wasn't, I thought I wasn't like that interested. So I thought about it because I thought it might be fun. And because I wasn't interested, it fell out of my brain. And um, I remembered that he had sent that and went back into my Facebook messenger and dug that invitation out and sent him an email and said, hey, are you guys still doing this? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And I... Tuesday nights, right? Tuesday nights. And I believe that would have been Tuesday night, December 1st or November 30th. It was right around in there of 2009. And it was 2009 that I'm confident on. And I heard that I didn't know that he was doubting. So she confirmed it for me. It is. It's 2009. So I walked into Jeff and Tracy Powell's house in Dublin, Ohio on that evening in 2009. And there you were. So this is where our story. So this is where our lives converge. And the funny thing is that before I showed up at the Bible study and before I even knew that you were no longer living in Cleveland, Ohio, and you were back in Columbus, God had put you on my heart and in my mind in this like very real way where the minute I saw you, that you had saw that you were standing in Jeff and Tracy's kitchen, I knew what all of that meant. Rings to tags. Rings to tags, baby, all the way. Ride or die. Ride and die. Ride to die. Ride to die. Marriage die is ride dead. die. Die. Again. <laughs> so, so then that that's leads where us our paths hit. To the story of us. So We'll just tell that story then. So you, you, your story got us up to that meeting point. Yes. My story, I'm still living in my parents' basement, Mm -hmm. reading the Bible, and um, I got to this point. Like again, I'm jazzed up about discovering God and like learning who He is. So I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying a lot. And at one point, I got to this point where I was learning bold prayers and you know what I'll like I, I prayed a ballsy prayer can I say ballsy well you already did twice so I think you just go with it now it'll, it'll happen again so I, I was praying to God, praying to God. I, I didn't, didn't have, have a job, job or anything in parents basement. Um, and, and I, I prayed to God, God and I said God show me what, what you want to do with my life, life. And this is the ballsy part. part. I said, show me this week. week. And I don't know where that came from. I was just praying, God, show me what you do in my life. And I was like, oh, do it this week. And that was a Monday night. It was a Monday. Um, And as I prayed that prayer, like, honestly, what I was thinking was, give me a job. Give me a job that I can work. Like, like when I said, we always have something. Show me, show me what you want to do with my life. I was thinking, give me a job, like a career. What do you want me to do to get paid? Because I would like to get paid. My parents would like me to get paid in this life. As God tends to do, He takes your requests and goes above and beyond. So that was a Monday. It was actually my granddad, my grandpa's birthday. Um, and I prayed, show me what you want to do with my life. That next day, I dared him to do it that week. The next day, What's up? I walked into a Bible study that I've been going to for multiple weeks, if not months at this point in time, um, at Jeff and Tracy Powell's house. I had discovered this Bible study because 
Michael Anderek. And Michael Anderek, you guys. He's the puppet master. Stupid. He's the Cupid. puppet master. Um, that's a side story. Maybe we should have... We'll have Michael Anderek. We'll have Anderek on at some point. Yeah. Because there's like 15 marriages that happened out of that. Because, oh yeah, so many. I mean, it was like the most Southern Baptist group ever. So anyway, <laughs> Monday, challenged God. Show me this week what you want me to do with my life. Tuesday, I show up at this Bible study I've been going to, and there you are. Hello. And that was God showing me but what did the you, rest of my life did was. Did you put any, like, in your mind at that moment when you saw me, did you think about your prayer from the day before, or did that come later when you, like, reflected? No, no that came later, but not much later. Because as we get into the story... There's, there's not, not a whole lot, lot of time. There's not a lot of later. That then goes between this Tuesday evening and us getting married. In fact, right. it's less than 12 months. Yes. Because that was December 1. That was like December 1st, I think. And spoiler alert, by that next September, we were married. We were married. By that next September January, you had your wedding dress. Uh, Late January, early February, we had the church booked under a pseudonym, so everyone wouldn't realize that we had booked church. So that would have spread like that. We had gone to since this 1988-89 zone, so we knew everyone, and we did. We weren't officially like I didn't have a ring on my finger. No. Because we were, I was living in my fast. parents' basement, and you were again I don't know living in your parents' basement. And so I didn't have a ring fund prepared. No, I didn't have a next day's lunch fund prepared. <laughs> <laughs> like true. So I wasn't quite ready, but so that's kind of what how our individual stories kind of came together, and we met again. Amanda knew walking in that. Was that it. This was going to be was over. Tags. I took a just a scotch longer because 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 there stuff went down, y'all. A lot of stuff happened from first grade to yeah. that Tuesday night, right? And so we grew up in the same church together. Um, Amanda was two years younger than me. Two so years in school. Are. I so am to this day. I haven't gained on she you yet. Yep. I'm hoping it'll up. stay that way. She's not catching up. I'm trying to lose some ground, and that's not working either. <laughs> um, so, so we, we kind of grew up together, together, and through high school, I like summer both, camp, we had crushes. We had strong crushes on each yeah. other, but didn't know what to do with them. As at you one don't point, when you're a teenager. At one point. Um, you would remember this better. How old you were? Were you a junior? That's in the lake. I don't know what you're talking about yet. We That's said, in the lake. We, we were at. We were at a. You camp. had just graduated. It was the summer of 2000. You had just graduated, and I had just finished my sophomore year, so I was going into my junior year. And we and so were at like, Seneca Lake Youth Camp in Seneca some Youth place in Ohio. Ohio. Senecaville, Ohio. Senecaville, probably. Um. And it's not like there's any sort like we what did we go putt putting? We talked. No, I think we like sat on a bench at the putt putt course and we talked. That's what we called it, that's right? Talking. And that's literally all we did. We talked. We well, sat there and talked. And had then you talked. That was the whole thing. At Seneca Lake, you talked. And then we got home and you asked me out, which is like a strong word for it really. And we went on we went on one or two dates. We, we hung out, and you didn't. And I did not talk. say anything. And it was just like the most. You guys, he was like a scared. I don't even know. I don't know what to compare you to. You were scared, a scared guinea pig, <laughs> and silent. You had nothing to say, which is shocking to these people, as they are also probably looking at the time right yeah, now. Yeah, we're this probably episode taking up. Like this guy will not stop talking about his life. Which is, so imagine my surprise when he simply didn't. And as a really, really dumb kid between so sophomore and junior we, year, I didn't really have much 
to do. My memory that. is we went on one date. We'll call yeah, it. Yeah, we'll call we it went on one date. date. This is strong. And then I approached you to ask you if you wanted to go to ice cream or something after after youth group after church. And you said, "I don't want to date you." Straight up, those were the five words. I don't want to date six words. So please, those were the six words she said to my face. But like, please don't accuse me of yanking your chain. Nope, nope. I didn't. I didn't screw around. I didn't ghost you. I didn't screw around. No games. Just let you know my truth. Amanda doesn't play games, and you guys will pick up on that fairly quickly. Yep. Um. I do not want to date you. Message received. I think there's just a lot of love and truth. Then I went to college. There was another interaction we had at church. At church. I was back in town for some reason because I didn't live in Columbus at the time. We connected like in the lobby at church. Yeah, like after church. And you you, um, were talking to me about buying your condo. buying a condo. So we had a brief conversation that led to me. Facebook had been invented. That's right. We just, I reached out. Recent, you were, recent, like, let's be clear. Facebook were, had been invented recently. You were one of the first five people I, like, found on Facebook. Like, when it was invented, I was like, Amanda, where um, is she? And so we connected on Facebook. And so after this conversation about our condo, I reached out to her on Facebook Messenger and started this conversation. And we, we exchanged a couple. A couple interactions back and forth that ended on me saying something that she did not respond to. So the reason for that, let me just say, was because I had just moved in my condo. And having just purchased a condo at a young age, I, it's not like I, had a, I was not like flush with extra funds. So I didn't have internet at home. Which is like with that's like pre iPhone. It's crucial for Facebook use. Right. And that's like pre iPhone and everything. So it's not like your phone was just like getting you onto it. So I, the only place I could go onto Facebook was at work, but that was like right when Facebook was booming and all of a sudden every employer was like, whoa, we can't have Facebook access at work. So I lost Facebook access just kind of like overnight and then I wasn't on it for like months after that. So. When Amanda walked into Jeff and Tracy Powell's Tuesday night Bible study and I saw her, my two most recent interactions with you were a stone cold shut were I do not want to date you. And a ghosting. And a ghosting. Which I think we've established ghosting is not my style. So I stand by still happens. But I stand by my alibi of why. It would be your style. If you had already delivered, listen, I do not want to. Listen, I think we've been over this. Once you establish, I don't want to do with you. That's true. I just don't have to say it again. Ghosting happens. That's true. So those are my two most recent interactions with Amanda. Yes. When she walked in. So she was convinced. She was singing rings and tags at that moment. I probably wrote this. I was a little skeptical. So hopeful, hopeful, optimistic. Even. So here's the thing, like in all of my, what in all my pre-work, I guess, with the Holy Spirit, what had been like brought to my attention was regret for having delivered such a message in such a way back in the summer of 2000. And so I was like acutely aware of the fact that I had done that. <laughs> I was not aware and so, that she was aware. So I did like the classic way to like approach a guy without being one of those girls. And that is I invited him along with a group of people over to my condo to watch a Kentucky basketball game. This is another thing about our lives. You guys will hear a lot is we are rabid rabid died in the blue Kentucky basketball fans. And we have a lot of friends who were as well, are as well. And so I invited everybody over to watch this game. It was like Coach Calipari's first season, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. It was like big, it's big basketball, you guys. We were playing UConn. 
and it was right before Christmas. Christmas. It was like, well, I guess it was like December, mid-December, closing in on that whole early season game. End of end of non-conference schedule kind of stuff. Closing the end of non-conference. But it was like a big game. It was one of our first like legit games. And so, so we all sat and watched that. that. And so I, from that, you knew that it was like kind of open. And so he got up the guts after that night to give yeah, me a so call. We, were, like, we had our first date. And, and then, then we got married. That was it. And then we got married. <laughs> um, yeah. But in all seriousness, it kind of went that fast. And, it, and this is the... I think the big takeaway from our story, this the takeaway that um, that I have taken away from our story, and it's just that we were both pursuing God at that time. And He showed us where the, He wanted for, us for the first time, for it's real, for the time, first time, or ever. For, I think I would say probably for the first time for real. Yeah, like the first authentic. It, if you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me yeah. with all of your heart. And one of the first things that God revealed to both of us in that relationship was to be with the other one of us. So and to you, it was yes. to be with me, and for me, it was to be with you. It was the revelation from God that this is what he had for us. And it was so abundantly clear to us from just, like, the first moment that this is this was it and it, it's funny that's why it happened so fast I mean we'd known each other for over right. 20 years at that point but it happened so fast because there was just never a single moment where either one of us was thinking oh I wonder like I wonder this if this the is the right is this the one and there were it was just so led by the Holy Spirit that there were no moments of um having to think through our own brains what we might be, what was our own understanding of the situation in front of us. And I, even to the point where I remember that the night that we were, we were on my couch in the condo and we were talking about all of this and we basically were both just like, well, obviously we're getting married, right? Like we both know that. And I remember saying, oh, I love you, by the way. Like just exactly like that, just because we hadn't really actually even said that to each other. Yeah. Which, Which is such a, like, a cultural, like, big moment, right? But, and I did. The L-bomb. And I do. But. Thank you. It's, it was so beside the point. Yeah. Like, the, the feelings, the, the unreliable feelings of a human being were so beside the point at that moment. Because what I knew is that I was supposed to be with you. And it's one of those fantastic moments where the will of God is something you're going to be like super happy about. And I was, and you were, but whether or not we felt in love with each other was like totally outside of the conversation we were having, because the conversation we were having was like the, the Holy spirit has shown up and this is it, baby. So strap in and here we go. Because love is not a feeling. That's what our culture thinks that it is. Our culture thinks that like, it's, it's a feeling and it's, you know, it's a hormonal condition. It's all of these things, but it's very unreliable. And biblically, love is a command. It is a command to action. And that is what we knew was going to happen regardless of how we were feeling at any given moment. And that is what sustains your marriage. It's not the smushy feel good feelings that you have when you're up on that altar saying till death do us part. It's what sustains you 24 hours later when the first weird thing happens with that prize package you just picked up and you're like, Oh, I didn't know that. That was it not. took you 24 hours? No, I said in the first 24 oh. hours. Yeah, yeah, no, it didn't Didn't take a full. But it's just, we are none of us such prized packages. And we are none of us worthy of having or capable of personally sustaining that wishy-gushy feeling of what our culture calls love. There's, there's a line in a need to breathe song. That, Another um, one of our tops, yeah. By the way, top bands in the Wood household. Um, it's a it's a love song, and it, 
he's singing to his wife and says, you're the only thing that I've ever been sure of. And I always take that line and I'd say to you that you're the first thing that I was ever sure of. Yeah. Because you were the first marrying um, you was the first time I just obeyed God. Yeah. I same. It was the same for me. He Where told us just, to get married and we did it. I ne- like cold feet wasn't Fast. thing. <laughs> the only reason we even waited for as long as we did was because it was hard to book a place. And I wanted you to have a ring when we were married. That was good too. Yeah. yeah. You had so a I'm pretty dress. sure you had your dress before you were. I bought both of our our wedding rings though. If I get your engagement, you did. Yeah, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. I still, you still have it. Not on. I'm not wearing it. Right obviously. <laughs> right. But your tag's not on your toe either. I don't yet, have a tag, so, so we're good. We as have long time. as it's on, at we have that time. Point. So, but, but I think that's the message of like as we come together, and that's going to be a common theme as we go through sharing our lives with people. Is we were sure because of we were sure where the because came God from. showed us. And I want to say also that. This is not some, like, we're not somehow special. There is not some special revelation that God gave to us that he doesn't give to most people. Like, when it comes to these points in your life, if you are following God, you're going to, you're going to find the right way, and you're not going to fall into error when you are truly seeking the Lord. And we were, and so he made it obvious because that's what he does. He never leaves us wondering when we are actually seeking him. If you don't know if what you're doing is what God wants you to do, then don't do yet. Stop yep. and wait and seek harder because and he will tell you. That's why I changed that lyric to you were the first thing that I've ever been sure of. Because as we've gone through this life together, there have been multiple things that we have been sure of. We have learned how to be sure of many things. The first first lesson of that in my life and the first lesson of that in your life was us deciding to get married. Mm -hmm. Us choosing to get married. Us following into marriage. We were choosing to obey God because he told both of us Isaac Mary Amanda. And he did. Amanda, Mary Isaac. He did do that in a super clear way. And I take that more as a um, narrative on how dense we both still were at that time. Yes. It need, he needed to shout it at us. But for us, like that's, you know, that's where we're coming from. And because we've never, we've never had a reason to doubt for a single second whether or not we were exactly where the Lord always intended us to be. And that's with each other. And that has, as we look around the world and we see in our culture, how so many marriages go, that has given us a real passion, especially for Christians who like the Christian church, the level of divorce is the same Same in the church as it is for the world at large, but we don't, it shouldn't be that way because we have answers and we have a way we have a blueprint for life here. That's being held in front of us. And you're not going to like, if somebody gives you instructions from how to build a building, you're not going to just be like, eh, I'm just going to eyeball that one over there and do it that way instead. But that is what we seem to be doing with our marriages um, in the church. We have this, we have the message, guys. We have it. It's here. It's very clear. It's really not all the mystery that it's like cracked up to be that people want you to believe that it is. And so what we want to do is we want to help you find that um, for yourselves as well. And in 1 John 3.16, which is kind of like a partner verse to John 3.16, but um, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So that's the death and the sacrifice again, coming back at us. Christ sacrificed himself unto death. And that is how we know his love. And so that is what we're supposed to do in our marriages. We're supposed to sacrifice ourselves to one another unto death. And that is how we show 
our love for one another because anything short of that is not biblical love, which means it's not love because that's the only definition is what the Bible hands us down to see what love is. And it says we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, but anything you should do, anything you should do, any good thing that you should do in any relationship with anyone on the earth, you should do for your spouse. You should do it in your marriage. If it's a good thing to do with your child, it is a must with your husband. If it is a good thing to do with your coworker, it is mandatory with your wife. You must give your spouse all the best things to your end if necessary. And that is, that's what we're here to talk about. Marriage is death and sacrifice. That means we made it. That's right. And we'll be back. Probably. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that we stopped talk, we're going to stop talking on this one is a good sign for getting to do a second. We got more to say. So much. And we'll say it. Bye, y'all. We look forward to it. Mm-hmm.